Hello and welcome to The Pop In, the podcast by the team behind Flopstars, running through the big new music releases and music moments of the week. Coming up, Selena Gomez, Singles Soon. We want to tell you how we feel about that song. Rita Ora has sampled an unlikely artist for her new song, Drinkin'. Uh, plus, we've got new Nicki Minaj on the way and we've heard a little bit of it. But first, Sam Murphy went to the Eras Tour. We need to talk all about it. Hello. Pop In. Hello. How are you? Good. So this time I love how I have to pretend this is the most acting I do, having to pretend that this is the first I've heard from you. Gas bagging for ten minutes already. I've just had you in the corner. So the gas bagging that we do before the show, this time last week, was you gas bagging about um how you might be getting tickets to the Eras tour, how you might have to change your flights back to New York from Mexico City where you'd been for like the week before, because you might be getting tickets to the Eras tour. And now we yes. have confirmation that you went. I How went was- to the Eras tour and yes, it was a nightmare changing the flights. But <laughs> yes, I went. Um, and it was worth it and more. Like, I was already upset to have missed Taylor. But to be honest, my sights have been on the Renaissance tour. So I haven't really let myself be upset about missing Taylor Swift. Um, and I'm just so happy that I went. I mean, this show is mammoth, like three and a half hours. She moves through every single album apart from her debut. She gives you like the hitch. She gives you like deep cuts, secret songs, like everything. And she's so present and just brilliant the whole way through. I was honestly floored. Like the, the best show I've ever seen apart from... Beyonce at Coachella. Wow. Literally, the, you will you will not not be able to handle it. Like it's just such such a good show, so and everybody's I, just so invested in it. And it's this feeling of like seeing somebody, maybe not at her most popular. Maybe she's still got more popularity to find, but she's an intergenerational artist still in her early thirties. Like just giving this incredible show and appealing to so many people. It was just mind boggling to be a very small speck in the crowd of it. <laughs> at one show. I have multiple questions. I want to start with yeah. what is the vibe? Uh, can you talk me through, paint me a picture of walking in for the first time? Like, like what, what do you, where do you get a wristband? You know, where do you walk through? What does it feel like when you first walk in? What was the vibe? So what's crazy is the Mexico City Stadium also doubles, I think, as like a kind of like F1 motocross sort of thing. So there's these like stalls before you get to the actual stadium, like literally on the outside, almost like being at the Novotel at like Sydney Olympic Park or something like <laughs> yeah. that distance. And people who haven't got tickets are li- uh, sitting in that. So that section is full. You can't, you're not even in the stadium. You can't see a thing. You can just hear the distant show. So you walk past that first and, and wave to the people not as lucky as yourself. And, <laughs> and then you go into the stadium and everyone's got those wristbands that kind of like light up. Everybody's dressed up. Everybody's got the like Taylor Swift, um, like rave band sort of things. It's just such an experience. And the the funny thing about Mexico City is that outside of the stadium, they have a market stall that's like all the unauthorized merch. And they it's literally like within meters of the stadium and you can buy everything there. Like it's like Taylor Swift is the mother Mary, like all that kind of stuff. So (laughs) the atmosphere is great. And yeah, 
that's that's my answer to your first incredible question. who supported who opened sabrina carpenter supported and did you see sabrina I did not see Sabrina, but not because I didn't want to, only because yeah. I, I, I got into Mexico City that that day and I was yeah. late. We were late to get to the stadium. Oh, yeah, but otherwise, you, I would, you know that I do like Sabrina. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I yeah. trust you on that. Um, and, and luckily, she's coming to the Australian leg. The Australian leg uh, resale happened later on this week as well. I think it might be, or maybe it's Monday of next week. There's going to be a lot more excitement for Australian Taylor fans trying to get their hands on those. It's insane, the popularity. I can't get my head around it. No, it's another scale. It's a complete other scale, isn't it? Um, I don't think... I was trying to explain this to my mom the other day, and I was saying, like, obviously Beatles mania is her kind of reference point of that level of popularity, but that's without the internet. Mm. And the scale of Taylor Swift is just quadruple that, maybe more, I feel like, right now. It's just... Absolutely not. I've never seen anything like it. Well, exactly. And we talk about Beatlemania. And I remember the, the comparisons when, like, Justin Bieber first was was sort of doing those yeah. ridiculous fan moments around the world. Um, and, and the comparison was Beatlemania. But it's it's a whole other level now with the way that the intensity of this tour has been felt on a global scale for yeah. a year now. Like, it, it hasn't just been, you know, the, the hypes in Australia when the tickets go on sale and the hypes in, in Mexico City when the performance is in Mexico City. The hype from no. Mexico City comes back around the world and it becomes this global ecosystem that continues to feed into itself with the sort of surprise moments that she manages to add a new dimension, a new layer into every leg of the tour. And that leads yeah. me to my, to my next question. Um, what... I remember when we were first seeing videos coming out of the Eras tour and we had that conversation about like whether the oversaturation of posting about shows like this ruins it for people and ruins the the surprise. Did you still feel that sense of surprise and excitement and and new new moments when you were there? Yeah, definitely. Like you know the moments, you know the big moment. Like I knew what she was going to start with, I knew what she was going to end with, and I knew bits and pieces, but because the clips have all been so fragmented, seeing it stitched together was a whole different experience. Like I personally didn't know what album was coming after the next, which was really like fun and quite a like fun element of it, of guessing where she was going to go after each album. Um, I didn't know that she was going to play a few of the songs that ended up being my favorites. And then you get the surprise songs. Our surprise songs were absolute shit um what'd you get the we got i forgot you existed the opener of lover oh oh. and (laughs) and we got sweet nothing my least favorite song on midnight so (laughs) literally (laughs) and then ever since she's done so many good songs she did like cornelia street the other night um she's done like maroon and uh, whatever it was fine i forgave her because the rest of the show was so good what a spectacle. I'm glad you got to go because it is really a moment in history. And to be honest, I don't I don't have tickets to the Australia leg. I'm going to be trying in the resale um, because, yeah, I'm kind of realising like this is probably, she'll do another tour very obviously, but this this is unto its own, I think, regardless of what the next tour is. It could even be technically a bigger tour 
but this feels yeah. like the one, right? This feels like a special moment. It in does time. feel like the one because I don't feel like she'll do the eras thing again. Like yeah. when I saw her on the 1989 tour, it was all of 1989 and then maybe four or five other songs like smattered in. This is a greatest hits tour in every sense of the word. Like mm. she gives as much time to Midnight's as she does to like Evermore. How kind of her. It's Which you would love. Yeah. Uh, we break during then. Did you need to pay? I did need to pay. And I ti- Bianca and I timed our pee breaks very well. I went during I Did Something Bad off Reputation, which I can't <laughs> stand. Um, and she went during Enchanted off Speak Now. Okay. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. I... And that is another example of why it's good that you kind of had a heads up of what this tour was going to feel like, right? Because you're able For to make these purposes, like, iconic yes. moments. Because yeah. I knew I was going to leave at some point and I was like, if this bladder strikes during all too well 10 minutes, I'm going to remove it. <laughs> Just chop it out in the middle of Mexico City. <laughs> Surgically remove. <laughs> well, thank you for the review. I genuinely really appreciated it. Um, and it's got me got me hyped. It's It's a very exciting time. Nicki Minaj is teasing this brand new single called Last Time I Saw You from Pink Friday 2 in a series of really chaotic TikTok posts. So chaotic. Um, (laughs) Official audio drop where the font is off the screen and you can't see it, four exclamation marks, and then we've had a poster sort of put up that's in the wrong, they're all in the wrong aspect ratio and it's sort of a slide. Yeah, followed by some slideshow, career-spanning slideshow of sorts. (laughs) It's not giving, um, like, first single after the announce of an album by a major artist. It's giving first (laughs) single, like, before a rapper gets signed by a major label. (laughs) (laughs) Chopped together by fans. But maybe that's the vibe she's going for. Like, there was something a little bit chaotic about the initial Pink Friday rollout. And um, I think that she's kind of tapping back into that nostalgia, which is quite clever, I think. And the hype around Nicki Minaj at the moment seems to be more than it's been for many, many years. So I think she's just capitalising on that. Smart. The song sounds quite nice. Um, a lot of people saying it sounds sort of like pills and potions sort of energy, which I love. I love that tender pop that she did a, a fair bit of early on as well. I think it's a really nice space for her to be in. Yeah, I just hope we're getting like a rap verse on this as well because mm. um, you Not never good. know with her. She's given a few yeah. <laughs> full sung moments, which I don't exactly care for. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think it'll do well. I think Doja Cat is also releasing a song this Friday um, and despite cutting off her entire fan base, is on track for a number one record potentially next week in the US. Crazy. It's it's an interesting time. And we have Zach Bryan heading towards number one in the US as well, which will be like the... I don't know how long it's been of country artists at the top of the charts, but Zach Bryan seems to be... Um, miles better than having Morgan redacted at the top yeah. or um, we'll Jason Aldean. We'll take yeah. it. Yeah. No, it, it is really, really interesting with with Zach Bryan because, yeah, it did feel like we were having a couple of sort of country. There, there is no denying that the country fan base and impact on pop music is enormous, but it actually does feel like it is sort of 
consuming it at the moment and that this particular yeah. style of, of really accessible country pop is really starting to to impact the the masses a little bit like the radio is, has never sounded more country in its life before it's crazy it's, it is wild and it's sort of partially feels like it's come out of nowhere but that that said you know the luke combs tickets went on sale in australia probably 18 months ago he's just finished that tour literally um i think i think two days ago um and it was it was near Taylor level of madness from from people and and all sorts yeah. of people that I wouldn't expect normally that would care about country. Something about this Luke Combs guy, this extremely plain man, has just encapsulated everyone and this sort of every man thing. But you're right, there is also that that sort of undertone of kind of a couple of shitty shitty eggs in there. But but someone like Luke Combs appears to have really captured the hearts of of the world somehow in in a really simple plain back to basics sort of way traditional family values if you will all for but i'm usually more for when a genre takes over being like a catalyst for change and when like yeah. hip-hop had its moment the real like outcome of that in the end was this surgeon re- not resurgence can you just say surgeons surge i suppose is the surge of female rappers that came out of that. Yeah. And then the way that the underground hip hop production um, like trickled down into pop music and created like this really interesting base for pop. I just don't know what's going to come from this like country wave. And I hope that it's a pushback from really like progressive country artists like Zach Bryan and like Casey Musgraves, um, yeah. like kind of bring and also like bringing some diversity into the genre as well i mean what's interesting is that beyonce's next album is meant to be country and like probably couldn't come at a more perfect time which is crazy now because she we've obviously known that for quite a while that it's that it's going to be in this sort of country zone and yet it's almost like she's i wouldn't say she's waited for the right moment for you know, for country to be in the charts. I don't think that would have been a catalyst for her, but it is quite an interesting... It's just happening at the right time. And this kind of back and forth between the concert, like the left and right, with country music being used as the weapon is a very, very interesting way, given that hip-hop was used in, like, 2016 quite kind of, like, as a protest for change um, and for diversity. This feels very different murky and icky i suppose well that's it whilst i'm okay with like there being a bit more country on the charts i don't want it to continue being this sort of poke the bear trend of sort of anti-left-wing rhetoric that just keeps coming and pushing through yeah it's funny because that man we talked about last week with the song with the too long name about the rich men in oliver anthony music Oliver Anthony music, my apologies, yeah, and make sure you put music at the end. I, I was seeing people even, like, after we posted that episode, you know, even the last few days, people that I know to be very progressive people who wouldn't yeah. want any of that shit on their timeline, sharing it, just seeing the base value of it. And I think that's part of the sort of insipid nature of songs like that and artists like that is they dress it up as this thing for the everyman when it's not actually for the everyman. It's for... You know, yeah, I was actually listening to this um, on the New York Times podcast about Oliver Anthony being for the everyman, um, but apparently that song is quite anti-welfare. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
<laughs> so it's like, I don't know. <laughs> and that's why we're not on the New York Times podcast because that's their ch- that's our chat. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's it's so wild. Let's talk about Ash Nico for a second. This artist who a few years ago and particularly during the pandemic felt like this exciting and ridiculous and chaotic breath of fresh air that was sort of yeah. going to make this enormous impact. And we've got an album and it just doesn't feel like she's kind of at the heights I was sort of expecting from a couple of we- a couple of years ago. Like it sort of feels like it's stalled at some point. What do you think? Yeah, it, it definitely has stalled. I mean, the lead single Worms has 17 million streams, which is nothing to cough at. Yeah. But considering that moments like Daisy and Slumber Party are well in the hundred millions of streams, yeah. um, it's not... Uh, hit per se she doesn't have a hit on this album um i'd be interested to see what the sales for like shows look like because obviously that's a better kind of measure of her popularity but Mm. it just seems to me right now that a lot of these artists who go viral very early on are not being kind of nurtured into their debut album and beyond and there's this real kind of throwaway sort of like mentality at the moment that's a little bit I don't know. It just doesn't feel like we're growing artists that could potentially get to the level of Taylor Swift down the line. Um, mm-hmm. And I've I've seen it with somebody like King Pin- Princess as well, where that initial virality that happened with her first EP kind of just fell off. And then it was like, eventually I'm assuming the budgets just drop a bit and then the marketing goes down a bit. And then it's kind of just like you've settled into this very mid range when you probably could have pushed into a better dimension because there's nothing about this album that's saying to me that the music's getting worse. Yeah. It just feels like she was everywhere and now she's not. I think there's some great stuff on this album. I think Cheerleader is an excellent song. Um, very, very fun and very dynamic. The video is insane as well. And the Omi cover. <laughs> or I think... Um, when I need motivation. <laughs> I'm still telling you, someone needs to put Cheerleader into a song. Like someone Please. needs to do I, will, I welcome it. I'll pay Joel Corey $10 million for it. If it's, I bet, you wouldn't I bet need to pay him $10 million. million. No, true. I'll just give him a gig at give high. Him $10 in an extra ab and he'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent for me. Um, the <laughs> I, I think there's something to be said as well with an artist like Ashniko for these sort of um, character style artists that have got this particular character and aesthetic that's not genuinely them. And I think it's good for a moment and it's good for positioning them for a little while. I think an artist like Poppy is a good example of this. Someone who, Mm. you know, I remember when in her early days she was fascinating because she was speaking in this sort of AI voice and, you know, no one knew whether she was human or, or robot or, you know, there was a fascination. But she has progressed and developed into a true to self, honest, passionate human being. And yeah made that progression happen really naturally. And I think you get stuck with some of these artists who have a very, very particular aesthetic. And of course hers is sort of rooted in that, that steampunk, um, you know, thing that, that a lot of hyper pop, a lot of hyper pop artists tend to go towards. Um, 
it's hard to progress from that into something that's a bit more true to self. And it feels like there is an element of authenticity that might be missing. You know, the the, the anger yeah. and the aggression and the assertion and the passion in there is, is definitely real. But there feels like the, a missing element of the storytelling um, that you- So, you think it's really easy to, that. like, invest in somebody like that for a short project or a short single- Rather than it is to stay with them and kind of fall in love, yeah, with them think, as an artist. Well, and I think I, I think there's a, a genuine. There's some incredible A and Rs out there, but there are also a lot of A and Rs that had their first runs on the board during the early viral days. You know, during the early TikTok yeah. days and during the pandemic, where content was the only way to actually connect to an audience by creating, you know, predetermined things that would would connect to an audience based on an idea rather than yep. allowing an authentic artist and an authentic person to gravitate towards an audience for their true self. And King Princess is a funny example because early on it was sort of this provocative, um, pr- pr- provocative is probably not the word, it's probably more evocative, um, you know, um, and funny and the, and the humour was, was really present there. But seeing them play a few months ago in Sydney, they're just having the best time of their lives. And they're selling yeah. out big enough shows and they've found a really comfortable audience. And they're obviously still getting, you know, moments to go on bigger stages and stuff, but they're in a really comfortable position where they're not the biggest superstar in the world and you don't need to be, but they're at a place of genuine authenticity. And the conversations that she yeah, was having which I guess the, during the, the last... Out- that's the goal, right? And I just don't know whether someone like Eshniko is there with the debut album. And I think labels are potentially not um, navigating that step between, you know, moments of virality and EPs into full bodies of work as, as, better, mm. as well as they were um, prior to the sort of TikTok world beginning. I've never sounded older than talking about this. No, I think that's nail on the hat. Yeah. 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 Um, breaking news, Elton John's had a fall. Um, he's okay. He's recovering at home, but Elton John has had a fall. Um, oh, I was going to share breaking news with you. No, please do um, share some breaking the news. The Idol has been cancelled after one season at HBO. No, it hasn't, has it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. We'll never know. We'll never know. Elton and The Weeknd falling on the same day. Oh, that's so sad for Moses Sumney. Oh, it's very sad. Devastating news. I, I said when we did our final review of it that I was I actually wanted more. Don't know why I wanted more. I don't know what I wanted more of, but I wanted more of it still. Oh, that's very sad news. <laughs> All right. Well, should we, let, should we go into Bop or Flop for some good news? Um, yes, we should. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Selena Gomez, single soon. She's the subject of the most recent episode of Flop Stars, so check it out because it was a really great episode going back on the album Rare that obviously came out just before the pandemic. Um, and now we have new yeah. music from her. This record, Single Soon, bit of fun, isn't it? It is a bit of fun, and I don't think she's really heeded the advice that we gave her in the podcast last <laughs> week. Obviously, probably. Not enough time in between to the, um, podcast, change the episode the song. came out after the song had already dropped. I'm pretty sure. Yes, yes. hence the lack of time. So, 
<laughs> Not her fault, our fault this time. Yeah. Um, but I think she really seems to be in her she doesn't give a fuck era when it comes to music. She said in an interview last week that she prefers acting mm. um, and feels that's more her thing. And that's the attitude that you get with single soon. It's carefree. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's just a bop in every sense of the word and nothing more and nothing less. And yep. I'm totally fine with that. Absolutely. It is the exact dose of unabashed fun that I needed this week. And I love the chat, the chatty choruses and it's just a bit of fun. I think the bridge is really cute as well. I wouldn't call it great bridge. It's just a cute bridge, but it's That's there. It's a good bridge. It's a good and the bridge. lyrics are good. Like, yeah. it's just, it's all good. It's and I really love the title too, and I really love the way she works that into the concept, and yeah. I just I just had a bit of fun with it. I well, like it's an it. Interesting. It's an interesting um, moment in a relationship that I feel like we don't talk about often. The idea of being excited to decouple yourself from a relationship. Yeah, the breakup eve almost. <laughs> yeah, isn't that wonderful? It's like I'm going to take them out for dinner tomorrow to break this off, or I'm going to have them over. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel, and and it's so weird because there are every fucking song in the world is a love song. Yet we're still finding pop stars finding a, a, a moment of the cycle of a relationship that hasn't kind of been explored yeah. in a simple pop song before. And I really like that about it. Um, and she's back with with Jay Cash and Ross Golan, who she's worked with in the past um, extensively as well, um, which is a wonderful combination of human beings. We so, love to say it. Miley is back, used to be young. That's cause I used to be young. Got one of the great build-ups. Does it live up to the hype in your ears, Pop Sam Cam? Uh, <laughs> um, oh, I don't know, not really, to be honest. Yeah. It, it's just like a, a fine ballad, and Miley does great ballads. I mean, mm. we've seen it like Wrecking Ball and Slide Away being two of her best songs ever. Um. I don't know. There's just like, there's just some personality lacking in this era that I really want back. And I don't need her to go back to bangers. Like, I don't want her riding Robin Thicke anytime soon. But just something that feels like she's giving something that others can't. And this feels like a ballad that most people could do. I don't know. I'm just missing something. And it's the same thing I was missing with the Younger Now era as well that I'm just not getting much yeah. personality. And there's nothing particularly bad about the song, but there's nothing amazing that I'm going to be like, oh, like it's missing like a huge key change at the end or like something really climatic to make you be like, oh, just doesn't happen. Well, it almost doesn't do justice to the gravity of what she's actually trying to talk about in this song. Mm-hmm. You know, this is really... She's she's touched on it in, in past songs and albums. And I feel like for a couple of albums now, she's been trying to sort of not, not redeem herself. There's nothing to redeem. But there is this sort of thing about like, hey, just so you know, I am, I, I've revolved from that person. I'm proud of her. I remember her. I love her. I nurture her. But I'm now this yeah. person. I, I've evolved to this, mm-hmm. but I'm respectful of the past. And this feels like it's trying to be the anthem for that and not quite hitting the mark for me, especially in comparison to some of the ballads she has put forward in the past. It almost feels like yeah. a light version of The Climb. And of course, you've just, um, com- if, if anyone hasn't listened to it, um, Sam's done this 
brilliant retrospective on Wrecking Ball for its 10th anniversary, which you can check out um, on Spotify. And you spoke to a bunch of the, the writers and stuff. You, you can talk about it. It's your fucking project. I just really loved it. And I thought it was, a, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm trying to say like 10 years on from that, we're getting this ballad and it just doesn't feel like it's the same event that it could have been because she's an artist. No, it doesn't feel like progress. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you, when people talk about Wrecking Ball, when the songwriters talk about it and the enthusiasm that Miley had for that moment and the energy that she had for its release and its promotion and everything. I'm not feeling now. And the thing about Wrecking Ball is like, it goes down to show, don't tell, I think. And Wrecking Ball had so much heart in it that she didn't need to come out and be like, this is about Liam Hemsworth. Like I'm releasing it on his birthday because I hate his fucking guts. Like she didn't need to because it was all in the song. And yet with Flowers and Used to Be Young, there's been this whole lead up where it's been like, so much information about like what the song's about and what surrounds yeah. the song. I'm like, I need to hear that shit 10 years down the line. I don't need to hear it now. You know, yeah. I don't need some kind of special that goes into used to be young. I should be able to hear the song and be like, I get it. Like I get it because I've followed your career. I understand where you are in this moment. It's just too, too much like telling not enough doing in my opinion. I think that is a beautiful way to wrap it in a bow. Um, nicely spoken about. Let's talk about Conan Gray and his new song, Winner. Considering I hate Queen and this sounds a lot like Queen, I like it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Move over Queen. Move over Queen, honestly. Adam Lambert, nowhere to be found. (laughs) Conan is such a fucking drama queen and I love it for him. Like, he is just such a dramatic human being and I'm obsessed and I find him so funny and because he is a very entertaining and charismatic human being but when he wants to go soppy and sad on these records and make breakups into a bigger thing than they are he's the absolute fucking king of it and I'm really really power ballad in every sense it is I'm really excited by what he's doing at the moment because i think i said this uh, when um um on and on and on like a never-ending song came out um i was like this is the first like 80s tinged pop song from a modern artist it actually feels like it's directly from the era and yeah i think there's a real authenticity to the way that he is doing that pastiche He's doing a really, really good job of it. He's doing it justice. He sounds studied. He sounds like he knows why it was impactful. And I think as he builds out this era, I'm really, really excited for, for where it goes. But there's still, there's still something missing. Like There's still some layer of genuine missing somewhere because it is all yep. wrapped up in drama. I agree. And it's like, just, just be you, you know? Um, but yeah, get- there always seems to be a veil. And I, I use the Olivia Rodrigo comparison with him quite a lot because obviously they share a producer in Dan Nigro. Mm. And there just seems to be with Olivia something so connectable about her music. And every time you hear it, you're like, there's no question that it's totally genuine. Yeah. Whereas Conan, there's like sort of this character that's being stepped into every time. And I, that's a hard thing to shake. And for some people, it just doesn't really get shaken ever because vulnerability is yep. bloody hard, particularly when you're that popular. So, 
I don't know. But I agree with you on that in saying that it is a bop. Omar Apollo has a new song called Ice Slippin'. Never a bad day when we get an Omar Apollo song. Does it live up to the... any? Did you have any expectations of a new Omar Apollo song or are you just happy to see him here? Yeah, I always have expectation of a new Omar Apollo song. He's genuinely becoming one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, in saying that, this sounds a lot like a man he was rumoured to be dating a little while back. I was thinking that. <laughs> a lot of vocal techniques and vocal production techniques that oh, yep. almost mimic some of the music we got from a certain someone yep. after a certain someone's second album that they never followed up. Right between the lines, everyone. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely hear that, but it does make sense. It does feel true to him. It does feel authentic to him. Yeah, definitely. He's always he's always slid around that sort of, you know, R&B. Yeah, I bet he did. Modern R&B. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he slid around. I slipping. Sli- I slipping. Sli- sli- close. You're terrible, Muriel. Um, <laughs> you know what happens if you take water from the ocean yep. and then you freeze it. What happens? Ice. Required to be ice slipping. <laughs> That's a riddle. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yes. Is it science? <laughs> it's not science. It's a clue to who we were talking about. It is oh, science. I didn't even think. Oh, my God. You yeah. just thought I was... <laughs> Oh my yes, god, I've just noticed. Oh. Oh. Um, breaking news on the morning show in Australia. Kate's there's a headline. Kate's music video debut. DJ Jax Jones hopes to collaborate with Princess of Wales. <laughs> and they have a royal expert on talking about it. <laughs> Victoria Monet's Please back. No. <laughs> Queen Victoria Monet. Queen Victoria Monet <laughs> third is back with a new song called All Right. Yeah, what do you reckon? Because I remember last time we talked about it, we were like, we're just waiting for the hit. You yeah, know? but I was totally wrong about that song because that song is yeah. a massive hit on my mama. It has actually gone viral off the strength of the music video, mm-hmm. which is not something that often happens, that mm-hmm. music goes viral off the actual strength of the work that's been put into the music. <laughs> um, so she's in a perfect run-up to this. This is actually off a record, Jaguar 2, which also came out. Um, all rights produced by Katranada, I believe. Might double check that, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Let me look. Yeah, it is. It's right. the dance, the dance moment of the record. Perfect. She's gone for this real timeless, like Motown funk s sound across the album, and then blended it in with so many modern sounds. She's obviously a genius. We know like how successful she's been as a writer for. Um, Ariana Grande going right back to the Yours Truly era. Mm. And now it's just all coming together at the right time for her, for her artist project. This The record got an 8.0 from Pitchfork. So she's oh. in with the, she's in with those who hold their nose high. Um, <laughs> so she's doing well. And I love this song. I think it's a bop. Yeah, it's an absolute bop. She's just such a special, excellent um, such a cool artist. Like, there's no other word than cool to describe it. Just gets gets what wants to be heard. Gets how to make people move. Always has. 
Um, it's a bop for me as well. Two more songs to go. Ash Nico, uh, we talked about, you know, the the vibe around her earlier, but we haven't talked about the music except for Cheerleader, which I think is excellent. Um, this is a song with Ethel Kane. Yeah, a really genuine collaboration by two artists who should be collaborating. Yeah. Not just someone getting Ethel Kane because she kind of popped off last year. Mm-hmm. So... It feels so right. Like they're two, they both have very different approaches to this kind of dark pop vibe. Um, Ash Nico probably goes more experimental. Ethel Kane goes more traditional. And together on Dying Star, it just works really well. Yep. Beautifully put. Yeah. I think I wasn't expecting how different they could still manage to sound coming together, but they actually do really hold their own, um, their own styles. And it's nice yeah. to hear Ashniko a little bit more, you know, vulnerable and, and less um, screamy in this particular song. Right, final one. Rita Ora with Joel Corey and MK drinking. After we recorded the podcast last week previewing this, we discovered the incredible information that there was the chorus is a sample of Chance the Rappers All Night, which was wild information to uncover. Um, what do you think? How do you think it's all come together from our girl? Not so much a sample as just an entire rip of the chorus yes. of all night. Sample was um, over a dance beat, a, a different dance beat because it already was quite danceable. <laughs> Completely inessential listening um, by three artists who are the absolute kings and queens of inessential listening. <laughs> And in the process, somehow manages to be quite entertaining. Yep, absolutely. Rita, evidently bored of the reception to the album she put out a literal month ago. Um, yeah, she's like, no vulnerability anymore. That's it. No, that's done. But- that, was, that was me in July. Me in August is drinking again. <laughs> we need a summer anthem. Um, yeah, look, I think there is nothing wrong with it. I think it's a bit of fun. I think it's actually really smart choice of song to go with because that song is sort of it sort of took on a life of its own you know you had you had chance the rapper fans who knew the discography and that was just part of that discography but then that song sort of went into its own world of the party scene and sort of transcended the the style of kind of soulful dance that he was doing on that record um and I think it makes sense to sample it because it's quite a simple chorus. And yeah, <laughs> bit of fun, inessential as fuck, but it's a bop. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Beautiful. What a way to end. How wonderful. Um, I feel like I had something else to say, but I can't remember it. Probably not. No, don't worry about it. Tune in we- next week to hear what Nick has to say. <laughs> Tune in next week. What a hook. <laughs> 